He is greater. Jesus Christ, he is our king. He is our hope. He is heir of all things. He purifies us from sin. We have life eternal because of him. He is our great God. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you and great to be worshiping our King. Man, we celebrate Jesus Christ, God with us. He is our King. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. Super fired up to be able to go after it. We're in a series here called Greater. And as we're walking through this series in the book of Hebrews, the first couple of chapters of Hebrews, it is all about Jesus Christ as God Almighty stepped into this world. Emmanuel, God with us. God of the universe who is right here with us. So many people speak of Jesus Christ as a nice person, a good teacher, uh, and those things true as, high, as he lived his life here on earth, uh, fully human, but also fully God. Absolutely, massively, all-powerfully in charge, Jesus Christ. He is over all. And so as we've walked through these uh, last couple of weeks celebrating Jesus as greater. The first is Jesus is greater than everything, all creation. And then Jesus is greater than the angels. Last week, Jesus is greater than all earthly hopes, whatever this world has to sell, so much greater. And now today, as we look at this passage in Hebrews 2, it's Jesus is greater than any other man. Jesus is greater than any human being. And uh, super obvious in that, but really wise that we walk through it. And so do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 10. We're going to walk through the rest of chapter 2 today, all right? Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 10. Point number one, be in awe. Be in awe that you can be considered the brother or sister of Jesus. Be in awe that you can be considered the brother or sister of Jesus. Did you know that? Scripture is going to be really clear as we walk it through today, but you are literally, if you are saved, if you trust Christ as Savior, you believe in Him, you've given Him your life, He's in charge. You are sister or brother to Christ. He is your big brother. That is a phenomenal privilege that we have that we can live out. So we start here in verse 10. It says, for it was fitting that He, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Let's hold right there. It says for, this is a connecting word. It's a because is what it really means, right? Because, and uh, we just looked in last week's passage and saw Jesus doing so much for us and in so many ways so awesome. And it's talking about Jesus Christ as even dying for us and rising again that we might have life and life eternal. Why did he do that? For it was fitting, it was fitting, and, and basically this is saying, in light of God's sovereignty, in light of his leadership, in light of his love, in light of God's plan, it was fitting that he walked the Son of God through to becoming a human being, clothing himself with flesh, and then going to the cross for us. Why was it fitting? Because God has a plan in his justice to be able to be the substitute for you and me for our sin, to be a substitute. It's a huge privilege to grasp that Jesus Christ willing to die for us. And so because of that, he's stepping him into clothing the Son of God with flesh and then walking him through to some uh, substitutionary suffering along the way. It says that he who 
uh, for whom and by whom all things exist. For whom and by whom all things exist. Like, I love that the author of Hebrews over and over again is making it super clear that Jesus is over everything. For whom, like all of creation, is for Jesus Christ. It is to be able to point to him and say, do you see how awesome this God is? This is our King. This is our Savior. Man, may we worship Jesus Christ. All of creation made in order to point to the glory and the greatness of Jesus himself for Jesus Christ. For him, but more than that, and by whom all things exist. By his power, by his statement of authority, by Jesus Christ speaking, all of creation exists and now points to his glory. By the greatness of Christ and for the greatness of Christ, all of creation exists. Jesus Christ, he is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. He is greater than everything, man. He is over it all. May we grasp that with all that we have. It says that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, in bringing many to salvation is what this is talking about, in bringing many to be called children of God, to glory, meaning that their life is forever set in heaven, eternity with Jesus Christ being able to be drawn as the sons of glory, bringing many to him, saved as we believe in him. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 speaks to this a little bit more, and it talks about how we become a part of the family of God. It says, we receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, which is like saying in the Hebrew, Daddy. Like we have the privilege of being a part of the family of God. If you have trusted Christ, if you believe in him as Savior, you have that privilege. Hear me on this, man. The privilege of being able to be adopted into the family of God. To be able to be brought in. Man, I love the ministry of foster care. And being able to care for kids that have needs. And we have so many in this church that do foster care. That provide in a moment of time or over a long-standing period of time for those kids. And this is going even one step further than to adoption. And many have actually done that where they've adopted kids into their home and been able to say, you are now a part of this family. You are my child. I love you and I'm going to care for you. Man, that's God for you. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, it's more than foster care. He's bringing you in and adopting you as his child. He's declaring you are a son or a daughter of his. The work of the Holy Spirit as we are adopted in. And I love this. It says that we get the chance to be able to call daddy, like being able to have a personal, private, trusting relationship with the father of the universe because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Do you know that God? And are you trusting in him as savior? Are you adopted into his family? You know, Jesus is declared as the firstborn of God. So you get to be declared children of God, but know this, there's a firstborn. There's the one who's the big brother. There's the one who's over it all. There's this privilege we have of being able to be known in that family and to know that big brother, Jesus Christ. I gotta tell you, theologically, this is 100% true. And I always, when I talk about it, it starts to feel a little disrespectful. 
Like there's a moment where you're like, I don't want to make him too small. Like Jesus is the God of the universe, man. But hear me, and your brother, you get the privilege of declaring your God as family and sibling and Jesus being the firstborn among the sons of God. It says that he should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. That he should make the founder of their salvation. Everybody just say, that's Jesus. He's going to take Jesus, the one who is the author of our salvation, the perfecter of our salvation. That same word there, founder, is author, like being able to create something from nothing. He's bringing salvation for you and for me. And how did he do it? Through Jesus' suffering through Jesus being beat upon, spit upon, mocked, for him being crucified at the cross and as his flesh was torn and the blood was poured out, him for me. Jesus Christ, he literally through suffering becomes our substitute. Did you know that? That your sin comes with a cost and your sin needs a payment either by you or by the God of the universe. And if you choose to trust in Jesus Christ, you can have your sin covered by the work of Christ at the cross. His suffering is taking your sin on himself. Jesus Christ becoming your substitute. Man, that's the salvation message, that Jesus is our substitute. There is no one like him. He is our hope above all hopes. He is my substitute. Everybody just say, my substitute. That's Jesus Christ, who is greater. He is our big brother, and he is our substitute. It says, for he who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified, all have one source. He who sanctifies, this is God and his work in the process of salvation. He who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified, that's you and me. If you believe in Jesus Christ, this is you. Like, and he is doing the sanctifying of all those who believe in him. This word sanctified is a word that's uh, pretty much more a Bible word maybe than anything else. Maybe you tend not to use it. I don't use that word that much in everyday life, right? And uh, when you talk about things being sanctified, we don't really address it that way. What does it mean? It means set apart. It means uniquely set apart to be able to point to the greatness of God. It means to be made clean or holy and having a purpose. There's a God doing that in our lives as he takes us and sets us apart that we might be able to point back to him and say, do you see how awesome he is? That's our privilege, to be the sanctified ones, being made sanctified by the God of the universe. You know, when it says he who sanctifies, really, if you look in scripture, there are actually all three persons of the Godhead are involved in the sanctification process. It talks about the Father sanctifying. It says through the sanctification of the Son, and it says by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. So all three are involved. We have the Holy Spirit doing a changing work. We've got the Son doing a replacement payment, and we've got God the Father in his legal declaration over it. God 100% involved in you being drawn into the family of God. It says who are sanctified are all have one source. All have one source. And uh, just so you know, in the original language, it doesn't actually say all have one source. It actually says in the original, all are of one. That's what it says, all are of one. It comes out of one. 
And so one source isn't a bad interpretation of it, but just so we understand that this is talking about us being able to have the privilege of connecting to God in all that's going on and God doing something special in us. And so there's this uniqueness to the character of God that's a part of what's going on. There's one family that's going on. There's one purpose that's going on. There's a lot of one that's going on as God is involved in it and all of one source, meaning He's been using the flesh and blood of man and he's going to accomplish it through the flesh and blood of Jesus and through the love of God, something miraculous is going to happen. Huge, huge privilege. He says that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Let that settle for a moment. That is why he's not ashamed to call you brother or sister. When we get home to glory and we are in heaven and we are worshiping in full tilt celebration for the Lamb of God who has brought our salvation, he is allowing himself to actually be your brother, to lowering himself down to become along with his creation, part of and celebrating in fully man, but fully God. And we have that privilege of being a part of it with him. Huge celebration as we get to walk it through. He's not ashamed because it has the whole work of God on it. And he's not ashamed because it has the oneness of God on it. And he's doing something miraculous in it. You know, I can only say this is a lot like you can imagine back to the playground days, right? And uh, maybe this even happened to you. You're out on the playground and and uh, your older sibling comes on the playground. They're a couple of years, three, four, five years older than you. And as they walk on the playground, all of your friends, your height, your age, your size are like, dude, look at the guy. He's huge. He's like way bigger, way taller, way more cool in some way. Maybe you're like, I didn't have that brother. Maybe that was you. Maybe you're the one who walked out onto the playground and the littler ones were in awe of who you were. And in that moment, that brother has a choice, could mock all the little ones, could come over and razz you as the sibling and push you down, and, or could walk over and make a very huge moment of it. Jesus is the kind of brother that walks over and maybe puts his arm around, pulls you in, maybe a little bit of a head rub on, is like, what's up, man? And starts joking and then teasing and laughing, and there's this connecting, and people are like, you know him? They're like, yeah, man, that's my brother. Like, dude, that guy is so cool. And he's like, yeah, I really, he kind of is, you know? I enjoy being with him. And, and he, as he walks away, he's talking to the kids, he's playing around with people. They always feel better for having been with him. That's your brother. On the playground of life, that is your God. That in every case and in every circumstance, looking to pull people in, build them up, encourage around, rock the place with who he is. And you get to say, that is my God. And that is my brother. I know him with all I have. And I worship him with all I've got. Jesus Christ, man. He is family. Everybody just say he is family. Don't miss the privilege and the honor of being connected to the king of the universe as brother. He says, saying, and now he gives a couple of quotes, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. 
This quote actually comes from Psalm chapter 22, verse 22, if you want to write it down. Psalm 22, verse 22. You know Psalm 22 is that psalm that speaks about the messianic hope and Jesus Christ, and he ends up even quoting the first couple of verses on the cross. Psalm 22 is definitely a messianic hope, and it's being stated by David at the time. And as David is using these words, the Holy Spirit now revealing to the author of the book of Hebrews, like, just so you know, while that was being said by David, it's also reflective of exactly who Christ is and what he's saying. And this declaration out, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Like we get to be called brothers and we're going to rally together and we're going to praise his name. And there's a massive rally cry from this verse with the one saved being called brothers. And it says, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Both of these coming from like Isaiah chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. And again, this is a quote now of Isaiah being used that now the author being given through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this clarity that this is actually like the same view and the same words of Jesus Christ and being able to apply them out that we have the privilege. It says, behold. Right, and every, every time we see the word behold, we say, right, check this out. I and the children God has given me. Like you, if you have trusted Christ, get to be declared that child that is adopted in. Family, it's Old Testament truth that's being brought forward into New Testament reality. It's the stunning truth of Jesus Christ. Man, hear me. Jesus Christ, he is the God of the universe. He has clothed himself with humanity stepping down and we have the privilege of being called family and brothers be in awe. May God get all the glory, right? You know, this past week has been just a phenomenal week. You heard uh, Pierce talking about it a little bit as well. Just phenomenal weather has been so relaxing and so beautiful. I love the fall temps as it just starts to come down. And by the time it gets to evening, you get that cool breeze and it's just so relaxing. And, and, uh, and this week was uh, actually big on another level for many families because this week was the Morton Pumpkin Festival, right? And so for many, they, yeah, there's like two that cheered on that. So for many, <laughs> so for many, they go over to it and it's the blast of walking up the awe of the Morton Pumpkin Festival through the eyes of three-year-olds. There is nothing like it. As they walk in and you just see them like, whoa, there are a lot of people around here, right? All the humanity everywhere, and then the lights going on, and the noise, and these gigantic rides swinging humans up in the air, and then just saving their life to swing them back the other way. And you see these kids' eyes just getting huge as they're like, this is amazing. Can I have a corn dog? Right? Like, I just... <laughs> It's awesome to watch how the amazing view of the little one draws their attention. We were standing in line to go get some food one of the nights, and uh, we were standing there with uh, Mac and Megan and, and uh, my daughter Alyssa, and as we were getting ready to go in, uh, Everett saw the little flying orange balloon that flies over the top of the tents. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but for those who... So there's this balloon that flies up there, and he's been able to reach out and grab any ball he wants. So then it's like, oh! And he's reaching out in total, like, give it to me, man. Look at this ball. And he kept reaching and it never came down to him. Weirdest thing, you know? 
and just like stunned and in awe with taken by all the greatness of, whether it be the smallest of things like a flying balloon to the lights, to the rides, to the everything, it can capture us. Man, may we not just be captured by the little things of this world. May we be in awe of Jesus Christ. You are walking on to an amazing playground in this world and you are seeing the God of the universe stun you with his love for you, with his compassion for you, with his mercy as he pours on, covering what you owe, going and suffering when he did not deserve it, taking that for himself. And then he and the Father and the Spirit working together to adopt you in as family. Be in awe like a three-year-old walking into the pumpkin festival, jaw dropping along the way. So I just wrote some words down for awe. Looking this up in the dictionary. Awe, amazement, wonder, excitement. Here's a good one, joy. If you have awe, you will have joy. Even fear and respect. If you have awe, there is something massive about what you're looking at. Fear and respect. So I'll just go over them again. Amazement, wonder, excitement, joy, fear and respect. And then here's some other ones. Jaw dropping, heart pounding, soul hoping. That's awe. Do you have awe over Jesus Christ? Are you rocked by who he is? And are you willing to lean in and stare at and be stunned by the gifts he's giving you? How's your awe? Point number two, worship. Worship the God who humbled himself to become a man in order to be our great mediator. Worship the God who humbled himself to become a man in order to be our great mediator. He says here, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he's like, hey, because of all those who have been adopted in, because of those who are now called children, because of those who are the sons of God, you all share flesh and blood, right? Please notice, by the way, it doesn't say share humanity, it doesn't say that. It says share flesh and blood. And there's a big distinction we'll talk about in just a second, but they share flesh and blood. There's a oneness. There's a likeness of our physical bodies. And just so we're clear, and so the big brother, the one who is the firstborn among, has also now clothed himself with humanity, with this flesh and blood, and taken that on. So why did I say it's a big deal to notice the distinction between flesh and blood and the word generally humanity? Well, because we know each other, and human beings sin. And we think of it very much as one and the same. And it's really important that we grasp that while you and I have flesh and blood and we sin, Jesus has flesh and blood and he does not. Sinless through and through. Absolutely essential we see the difference. That is why he can stand and represent us, Jesus Christ. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, since we're all people with physical bodies and Christ as well, 
It says, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus himself clothed himself with this humanity to become our big brother. He shares in the flesh and blood. He humbled himself and he took on his creation, Jesus Christ. It says that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power over death, that is the devil. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power over death. Jesus Christ humbled himself, allowed himself to go to the cross, that as he died on the cross and rose again, he would be able to declare victory over death. And it says literally and specifically here that he might destroy the one who has the power over death. That he might destroy the one who has it. Who is that? Well, it says right after it, that is the devil. So he's talking about Satan here, and he's like, just so you know, he has the power over death. And I want to make this really clear. Please notice that it says he has power over it, but it does not say he has the authority of it. And that is a big difference. Authority sits in God's hands. God is sovereign, right? We've said this a number of times, but you cannot be sovereign unless you are sovereign over all, right? You are not sovereign at all unless you are sovereign over all. God the Father is sovereign even over death. And yes, he understands it. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, the first time death is talked about, it is God ushering it in saying, the punishment for this sin will be death. Now he's allowing Satan to be a one that's kind of mediating that or walking that out a little bit. Satan is given some of the privilege in that moment, but God's over it. And just so we're super clear, and God's taking that position back rightly and strongly at the cross. His forever. God has the authority, and God also now has the power with the cross being the replacement payment. Praise God for that. It says he has destroyed this one. And just so we're super clear, a good word for destroyed there is dethroned. Like no longer authority. It didn't mean like made him just disappear, destroyed, like obliterated. Doesn't mean that. It means dethroned, taken the power away. The power is taken away. He is dethroned. The payment is made. We are made free and we are like him. Satan, who loves to use hurt and pain and sorrow and even death and bring in whatever he can to pretend like it is his and his authority over but God has all the authority. You know, as I was processing it this week, I just wrote these words down. Satan elevates self and brings destruction. Jesus humbles himself and brings restoration. Satan elevates self and brings destruction. Jesus humbles self and brings restoration. Satan elevating to destroy everybody else. Jesus humbling to restore everybody else. This is our God. May we grasp the power and the authority in Jesus Christ. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about death and it says, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Know this, your God, Jesus Christ, Man, in his dying on the cross for you, he has taken the penalty on himself and death no more rules. Satan has no ability, no power. God with authority is saying that is covered. You have hope. Do you trust in Jesus Christ? 
Are you in with the God who has it all in hand? Do you grasp that one day as we go home to glory, as we are entering into heaven, death is done forever, over man, amen man. No more pain, no more sorrow. Lift this up. Jesus Christ has it in hand. And as we go home to glory forever with joy and celebration and laughter and relationship with our God, Christ has it in hand. Satan loves to sell that it doesn't look like it. God has it in hand. Hang on. God is doing something amazing. And the work at the cross has been done. The power has now been dethroned. Satan has been hedged in. Hang on. God knows exactly what he's doing. One step at a time. It says, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So many at that time, so many in this time, when we come to trust Christ, we start to grasp that our fear of death and our fear of eternity and our fear of where we really stand was gripping us and locking us into a slavery to self and a slavery to fear. And the reality is that we can have hope in Jesus Christ and that he breaks that fear down and brings a forever for him. Man, I'm just going to say this one time and say it loudly because that's the way I love to speak. The bottom line is Satan is going to be ended. Grasp it. Satan is going to be locked down. Thousand years. Final one release and then it is all over. Thrown into the fiery pit forever. He is a created being in rebellion and it will be put to an end. God has it in hand. Jesus Christ is king over all and he is your big brother. Do not drop the worship. Point to your king and hang on. God is going to rock this world with who he is. Are you ready to be in awe for your whole existence of life? May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen, man. These passages are just thunderous about the greatness of Jesus and the smallness of creation. Satan is but created. It says, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Angels who saw the greatness of God and chose to walk away. And in that seeing in the clarity of God and walking away, there is a loss, there is a dropping out of heaven and a for never ever again restored position for them. But that isn't true for humanity. Praise God that we have this privilege having seen kind of in this glass dimly that he offers a salvation to humanity. And as he says here, to the offspring of Abraham, to those who believe God, it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Please hear me. This is not talking about ethnicity. This is talking about your belief in God. Abraham, believing God, and so saved. Do you believe that Jesus is risen? Do you confess him as your Lord? Man, that is called adopted into the family, saved. May God get all the glory. He says, therefore, and whenever we see the therefore, we say, all right, what's it there for? 
right? Because he is saving these human beings, because he is bringing us hope and life eternal, because we as flesh and blood can know the great God who has clothed himself with flesh and blood. It says, because of that salvation, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. This is an amazing moment in your God. And I don't know that we could ever, this is probably a 10-year study and then we're still not done, but God choosing to lay himself down and taste and experience exactly what we feel, exactly what we have going on. And so he clothes himself with humanity, with the human flesh, and puts himself among us that he might become the ultimate substitute for us. Jesus Christ, he was made like us in all of those respects, fully man. It says, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Merciful and faithful. Merciful, keeping back what we do deserve. That's mercy, when we aren't getting the punishment deserved us. Merciful and faithful, never walking away from you. Jesus Christ, the great high priest in the service of God, he is of you. He is for you, and he is in place of you, Jesus Christ. He is of you, like sharing of flesh and blood. He is coming in place of you and for you. May God get all the glory. This is our merciful, great God. It says, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Uh, there's another word we don't tend to use very often, right? To make propitiation for the sins of the people. This is really simply, it just means replacement payment. That's it. To make a replacement payment for you. This is a lot like you're sitting at a restaurant, you owe a bill. They come up and they're about ready to pay it. And the guy next door to you, sitting at the table next over, says, hey, I'll cover that. Don't take it to him. And so they drop it with him. He runs it on his credit card and it's paid. And now they come up to you and they say, I just want to let you know that your bill is paid. And you say, no, 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 I'm going to pay it. No, your bill is paid. No, no, I should be paying it. Right. But somebody else did for you. So you're good. And at that moment, we don't say, yeah, well, here's $73.42 to pay for it anyway. Like, that's not what you do. You're like, amazing that that is covered. A propitiation is a replacement payment. It's the guy at the next table paying for you so that your bill is covered. Jesus Christ covering our debt, going to the cross, managing our sin penalty for us. May God get all the glory. This is our family we're being adopted into. Do you see the love, the sacrifice, the care along the way? It says, for because he himself has suffered uh, when tempted. He was tried, he was pressed, he was pushed on all sides. And I'm, again, another one you could spend a year talking about, but the temptation of Jesus, let's be really careful on this. He is not tempted because of some internal faulting in himself that he now longs for sin, okay? It is not some broken internal sin in self that's causing him to be tempted. When we think of temptation, we think of all the things I want that I shouldn't want, right? And it's not that temptation. But it is the body being pressed on, hungry. Have you ever been there? Maybe not this week with the pumpkin fest, but have you ever been there? Like hungry and angry, lonely, tired. The presses of the body that come on, hungry, 
angry, rising up against what you know is wrong, lonely, longing for connection, tired, exhausted. Jesus experiencing all of those pieces. And then here's another one that Satan threw at him in this temptation. And what is rightly yours is king, being held back from you and not shared in the right timing. And so your pressing in is like, well, it's not wrong for me to have the privilege Satan's tempting me with, but now is not the timing. The father is saying, hang on. Jesus Christ, he walked through so much temptation that is so similar to you and me. The only one he did not is the internal fragmenting of our soul that says, I long for sin. Let's go do that. It was all the pressures from the outside pressing in and him in that with you, for you, alongside of you. And he stayed sinless in it. Jesus Christ, your God, your big brother. Man, this is a super important deal to grasp. Jesus Christ sinless. We'll see it again in Hebrews 4.15. It says, he is able to help those who are now being tempted. He can come alongside of you. He has tasted and tempted, been tempted by every pressure in from the outside. And worse probably than many of us have had. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, rightful positions, not yet in timing. Hang on. Jesus Christ, he knows what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're in, and he is ready to be able to care for you in the most tender and powerful of moments. Are you ready for Jesus Christ to be your God? Are you ready to worship him? Hear me, man. Jesus, he is over all. He is king of all, and he is God almighty. He is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. Are you ready to celebrate your God who stepped down and became man, your big brother, family? You are a child of God. Let's pray.